as he asked the man that laid at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be healed? I believe God is asking America that in this moment. Do you want to be healed or have you been wallowing where you are for so long that you cannot imagine a different route? You cannot imagine a new way of being in the world. God wants to know, do you want to be healed and what does it profit a man or a woman or a nation to gain the whole world and lose your soul? During this international pandemic, I have felt very connected to the world as we find ourselves in a common and pretty humbling shared experience. But I also have to confess I have been feeling less of that sense of connection in our own nation. This past week, we celebrated and remembered millions who have given their lives for others, for us, in wars foreign and domestic. It is from this remembrance that we can say, truly, freedom isn't free. And indeed, our freedom has come at incredible cost. But a number of events last week um, just seemed like they were oil in contrast to this remembrance, remembering our fallen heroes. And those contrasts had me feeling, well, a little grumpy last Sunday. One such event was 1,200 pastors signing a petition defying the California governor's order for them to not gather for in-person worship. In their petition, they quoted Martin Luther King Jr., and that made me wonder if Ebenezer Baptist Church was open last Sunday for in-person worship. In fact, that's where I came upon this opening, these opening words that I had in the beginning of this devotion from Reverend Dr. Raphael G. Warnock, the lead pastor there. But back to that topic, no, Ebenezer uh, Baptist Church was not open last Sunday, nor will it be this Sunday, which seemed kind of ironic to me. But the contrast to that, of course, were that many who were posting on social media uh, said they hoped that those 1,200 pastors who signed this position, petition excuse me, would get sick with COVID-19. Wow. I think the state of my mind might be summed up by the fact that you are possibly disgusted by that, but probably not surprised by that reaction. Now, to be clear, my disconnect is not about the debate to gather or not, or other raging debates we have going on. It's the way we are conducting ourselves that is disturbing. The name-calling, the self-righteousness, leave us collectively without eyes to see or ears to hear, but seemingly mouths and typing fingers ten times their normal size and speed. Amidst all of this, I came upon God's word through Paul's letter to the Galatians, and it, it gave a voice to my frustration. In Galatians 5, 13 through 15, and I invite you to read more of this, but it says this, It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating one another. And where will your precious freedom be then? Those words hit me hard last weekend, and unfortunately, I can't say that this week has put me in any better of a mood. A video from Central Park that is disquieting, and of course, one from Minneapolis that is disturbing. 
I'm not sure I'm ready to speak to these, and frankly, I think there are other voices historically ignored that may need to listen while I remain respectfully quiet. But I want to close this devotion out by speaking to why I am deeply thankful for my faith and my church and the true freedom we have in Christ more than I can say. Number one, I am connected to a wide variety of people in the church whom I might not otherwise know with vast experiences and language and culture, oftentimes very different than my own. And in Creator God, I am connected inseparably with all people, without exception, and I cannot demonize God's creation. Number two, and kind of more specifically related to that, if I'm going to post hashtags like, all cops are racist, I had better be ready to face the many deeply caring officers I personally know. And further, if I'm going to post, hashtag Amy Cooper is a racist, that's the woman from Central Park, then I better be prepared to post hashtag Jonathan Sandsgard is a racist because I hold gender, racial, economic, and historical privilege. I'm not excusing what happened, but by God's law, I am in the same sinking and sin-sick boat. And I am actually thankful to God for that truth and perspective. Number three. I am stirred by the many and complicated racial and political and social issues that plague us. And I am strangely thankful that a theology of the cross will not let me look away, will not let me stay complacent or apathetic, even if I have the wish or the privilege to turn it all off. That theology also leads me to understand that there are sometimes symptoms and assumptions and ways of doing things that must be put to death in order for new life to rise out of the ashes. And that is messy work. Number four, I am ultimately thankful to Christ who would rather put himself on the cross than see us sacrifice one another with our self-righteous hatred. Indeed, when we do this, we really put him to death anew. We reenact the crucifixion of Christ. His body was broken so that we might be united. And this is the free gift it feels like we are squandering that might be blinding us from the hard and holy work we're called to do. So I am today deeply thankful for you, to you. I am thankful for a healthy community of faith that rises in anxious and difficult times, that loves across differences, and that is centered in a God whose love will overcome despite our imperfections. Here, and right now it seems like only here, I am finding hope. Thank you.